Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Brian. It's great to be with you today. I was here a couple weeks ago. I don't usually get to come back so soon, but I'm really excited that I, that I had the opportunity. So, Pastor John, thanks for inviting me back, because after that last one, I wasn't sure. But we, two weeks ago, we started the series on the prodigal. We're going through the prodigal son story, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to it in your Bible. It's in Luke chapter 15 in our Bibles. That is page number, let's see. Oh, it doesn't matter. You probably don't have the same Bible as me, but turn to Luke 15. You, could, you can also get to it on, your, on, your, on the Bible app on your phones. I encourage you to do that. And uh, it's, been a great, it's been a great story. It's this story that Jesus told um, to help people understand God's heart, to help people understand God's nature, which is why I love, I love reading it, I love studying it, um, and I think every one of us needs to understand God's nature better. We, you know, we come to God, sometimes we come to God, we come to church sometimes with preconceived notions, with ideas about how God must be, what he's like, and then Jesus comes in with a story like this that completely changes your mind helps you to understand God in a way that maybe you didn't, you didn't realize before. And, and I know that's how it's been for me as we've been going through this. So today, as we get into week number three, we're titling this one, Rule Keeping Gone Wrong. Um, you know, we, we, we started two weeks ago with this idea, this big idea that if you're far from God, no matter how far, there's still hope for you. And a couple of weeks ago when I was here, I asked, hey, how many of you are rule keepers? How many of you are our rule breakers. Remember we did that little exercise? And I, and I confessed that I'm more on the rule keeper side of things. And Pastor Jared kind of called me out on that. He called my bluff. He's like, you're not a rule keeper. You're a rule breaker, said the rule keeper, because he's a rule keeper. So it just, I think it just, isn't it true? It just kind of depends a little bit on what the rule is. Like if you're good with the rule, you're a rule keeper. If it's a rule you think is stupid and dumb, like, why do I have to drive 30 miles an hour in certain neighborhoods? It just doesn't even make sense, right? So if I think the rule's dumb, then I'll break the rule. If I think the rule, if I'm good with the rule, or if I made the rule, amen, parents? Yeah, some of you parents are like, no, I, I think I'm more of a rule keeper now, right? At least you want your kids to be rule keepers, but some of you grew up as rule breakers. And I, just to prove that I wasn't lying two weeks ago when I shared that I'm more of a rule keeper, when I dated... I want to start with a story, and it, this, is, this is going somewhere, I promise. But when I first started dating my wife, Tracy, I grew up in a church that was a rule-keeper church. We, you know, I, I grew up in a church that said, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, or go with girls who do. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Anybody grew up in a church like that? Don't, you don't, like we were, you, we... We were the kind of church where the pastor said, you know, don't have premarital sex because it could lead to dancing. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? One of those kind of churches. Anybody? Raise your hand. Is it just me who grew up in a church like this? So I grew up in a church like this that was a real rule keeper church. And I'm telling you, Pastor Jared, I was a rule keeper. I promise. I was a rule keeper kind of a guy. And so as a result, one of the things that I grew up being taught was that you can't drink, like ever. You don't drink. Drinking is bad. Drinking is always wrong. This isn't a drinking sermon, but I need to make sure that I say this. <laughs> Getting drunk is, is against 
the rules. Getting drunk is against God's heart. Getting drunk is bad. If, you, if, you, if you're prone to getting drunk, that's not a good thing. So I don't want to encourage you with the story I'm about to tell. So getting drunk is bad. But I grew up in a church that said drinking at all is bad. Okay, so there was, there was no black and white. It was just drinking is bad, period. So I, I, I made it all the way to 25 years old when I started dating Tracy. And we went out to dinner with her brother or her sister and brother-in-law, and they had a, they had a beer at dinner, which, which again, they're not alcoholics. They, they, they know how to have a, a, enjoy one beer or a glass of wine, and that's it, and, and that's, that's great. And so, but I was sitting there judging them in my heart the whole time. I'm just gonna, I'll be honest with you. I was sitting there saying, I thought she said her sister was a Christian, like, seriously, that's what I was thinking in my heart. I'm just being honest with you right now. Some of you are like, well, right, exactly. I thought they were Christians. Like, they shouldn't drink. So some of you maybe have that perspective. Probably most of you don't. Probably most of you are like, you were a weirdo at 25 years old. Okay, and I, I have received that, okay. But I sat there judging them in my heart the whole time. And Tracy could tell. She picked up on it. And I remember on the drive home, she challenged me. And she said, is there something wrong? I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. She knew, she knew what was wrong. And finally it came out. I'm like, I just, I was just a little, I just, I'm not comfortable with them drinking. I'm not comfortable with Christians drinking. This is what I said. And she, man, what a gracious woman I have, I, that I ended up marrying. And um, she said, well, show it to me in the Bible, you show me in the Bible where it says you can't drink. And friends, I just want to tell you, if you're more of a rule keeper, I, this is, this, this, the reason I'm opening with this story is because I'm just trying to say, hey, I'm with you. I get it, right? I understand that, that you have, there's rules in there that for whatever reason you grew up with and you feel like it's Scripture. And guess what, guys? It's, it wasn't. When she said, show it to me in Scripture, I couldn't. Because it doesn't say in scripture that you can't enjoy a beer or a glass of wine. It doesn't say that. It does say don't get drunk. So those of you who are going to run out there and beat the Baptists to the bar, <laughs> I just want you to know, it does say don't get drunk, okay? But it doesn't say you can't enjoy a drink. And so I, it turns, here I was 25 years old and I had this, I had this thing in my heart, and I'll tell you what it was, it was self-righteousness. I had this self-righteousness in my heart, and I didn't realize it like that. I didn't see it as self-righteousness. I just thought I was following the rules, and I was the one in the right, and I learned that day as we drove away, I learned that day that I was the one who was wrong, not my sister and future brother-in-law, or my future sister and brothers and brother-in-law. And that was a big lesson for me. So again, as we come to this topic, as we come to today's message about rule-keeping gone wrong, right? So those of you who are more like on the rule-keeper end of the spectrum, I want you to know today's message is for you. And I know what you're thinking is, what do you mean there's still hope for me and I'm far from God? Isn't God on the right side of the spectrum? Some of you, that's how you view this. You say, no, God's on the, no, I want you to know this is a sin spectrum. I want to just tell you that right now. 
This is the sin spectrum. You can be a sinner anywhere on the spectrum. It's just that your kind of sin is a little bit different. The rule breaker kind of sin looks different than the rule keeper kind of sin, but I was in sin as I sat there in my heart judging someone for something that wasn't wrong. I was in sin, I was living in sin that day. So it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum, you can, you can be very far from God. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that the rule keepers tended to be further from God than the rule breakers. And that's why Jesus told the story. This is what we a lot of times forget is we think the story of the prodigal son is for all the prodigals out there. Actually, Jesus told the story for all of the rule keepers out there, not the rule breakers. Let's remember where we started. Luke chapter 15, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners, rule breakers, right, often came to listen to Jesus teach and this really ticked off the Pharisees and teachers of the law as they drove away from lunch and everybody that Jesus was talking to was having a beer. See what I'm saying? Like this really made them mad. It made the rule keepers complain because he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. He was eating with these sinful people. So in the context of this, verses one and two, Jesus tells these three parables. Remember the parable of the lost sheep and the whole story there is the one sheep wandered away, the 99 stayed, but the one wandered away and the shepherd cared enough about the one to go off and looking for, looking for him. And then the next parable in Luke 15 is that shorter parable about the woman who loses one of her 10 coins and she, goes, she turns her house upside down looking for the coin. And then finally, all of this leads up to this big, the, the big parable, the long parable in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, which was told, I want you to hear this, it was told for the older son. There's two sons in the story and the prodigal son story, the prodigal son part of it was just the setup. I want to make sure you hear this. It was just the setup so that we could get to today's message. And so in week one, we talked about the prodigal son and his sin and how God received him back. The father receives him back with joy. The culture of heaven is joy when someone turns back. And then Last week, we talked a little bit more about that, the father, and how actually the father, it turns out, is the real prodigal in the story, because prodigal doesn't mean lost. Prodigal means wastefully extravagant. So the, 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 the younger son was wastefully extravagant with his inheritance, and then the father was even more wastefully extravagant when the son came back. He didn't hold it over his head. And again, many people think that's where the story ends. That's not where the story ends. It's kind of where the story begins now. Because this is coming back to the whole reason Jesus told this story in the first place. So today, we're going to give you five marks of a rule keeper who is far from God. I want to make sure you need to know this. Just because you're a rule keeper doesn't mean you're far from God, okay? You can be a rule keeper who is not far from God. But if, if, if you can check off three or four or five of these marks as we go through the story and say, that does sound like me. Like this is a little self-awareness exercise for you. This is like my drive home from dinner with my future wife 25 years ago when, when she had to call me out and I had a decision to make. Was I going to, was I gonna just sort of embed myself in my perspective and say, nope, you're wrong. I don't care, you're wrong. Drinking is wrong. Or was I gonna have a soft 
a soft heart to say, okay, let's talk about it, and I might be wrong. Those are some really powerful words right there. I might be wrong. Husbands, try that next time you're in a fight with your spouse. Wives, you don't have to try it, but husbands, I encourage you to try it. Like, just say, I, honey, I might be wrong. I might be wrong here. And this is what it's going to take as, you go th- as we go through this list together. Five marks of a rule keeper who's far from God. Number one is going to come from the story. So let's start with the story, verses 25 and tw- to 27. So remember, the, son, the younger son comes home. They're throwing a big party. Okay, that's where we're picking up the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Mark number one, that you might be a rule keeper who is far from God. You work for yourself, not for the benefit of others. Isn't it interesting that the older brother is out in the field working? That's not a coincidence. Jesus tells us on on purpose, he's trying to get us to understand something about rule keepers. Everyone else is partying, but he's out in the fields working. He doesn't even know that there's a party going on. Now again, there's there's gonna be a lot for us to learn with our Western eyes. There's so much of this. There's so many great nuggets in 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 this message today. I can't wait to share it. We gotta go fast, but... I'm going to be using a lot of some, some of the commentaries, Bible background commentary. We've seen this throughout this series. Here's what they write about this. The elder brother is apparently the only person in the village uninformed about the party. And this bursts the bounds of plausibility in the real world. In other words, that the people listening at the time would have been like, no, that would never happen. That was kind of like, that's way too much. That would never happen. Why? Because the elder brother should have himself have taken the lead at reconciling father and younger son. That was his job as the older brother. His job was to reconcile his dad with the younger son. That was his role. But he wasn't even, he didn't even know the son was home. He didn't even have any concern for the son. And, and the commentary says this touch of unrealism is necessary to graphically underline the older brother's isolation from the community. The older brother is the only one in the story who is not in community. Does that sound like a rule breaker or a rule keeper to you? Here's what rule keepers tend to do. Rule keepers work and work and work and work, but that work is all about them. It's all about getting the pat on their back. It's all about them feeling good about themselves and what it tends to do, what rule keepers tend to do who are far from God, rule keepers work to the exclusion of relationships with people. And that's exactly what the older brother was doing. He was isolated all by himself out in the, out in the fields, to use his words, he uses later on in the story, slaving away for his father in the fields. He was the only one who wasn't celebrating. He was the only one who wasn't at the party. And that's just what rule keepers do. And it isolates them. Mark number two. Rule keepers who are far from God get mad at God for his extravagance toward others. This is so interesting. The first thing that we see from this older brother, 
when he finds out, just think about this, he finds out that his younger brother, who might have been dead for all, he, for all he knew, his younger brother is home now. His younger brother, hear this, guys, his younger brother is safe. His younger brother is alive. Wait, even more, his younger brother is repentant. His younger brother apologized. His younger brother came to his senses. All these things. Like, what, wouldn't you think that an older brother would be like, Thank God, I've been praying for him every single day since he left. I've been going out to the porch every day looking, hoping that my younger stupid brother is going to come home someday, but hoping against hope that he would come home someday. I've been worried sick about him. None of that. None of that. What does the older brother do? He was angry and wouldn't go in. Isn't that interesting? He was mad at the father's extravagance. He was mad that his dad was throwing a party for his brother. I want, you to, I want, just, I want that to soak in, because some of you right now are feeling this with me. You're just like, how dare he? How dare he do that? He should be celebrating with his younger brother. He should be happy his younger brother's alive. Some of you are saying that because you're rule breakers. You're the younger brother in the story. I see it. I can tell. I can see it in some of your faces. That's what it is. You're rule breakers. And so you're viewing it from the viewpoint of the rule breaker. You're like, why won't you just celebrate? But some of you get it. Some of you are struggling right now because you get it because you feel a little bit like the rule keeper You've had that happen in your life. You've always been a rule keeper and you've seen those rule breakers get away with stuff. You've seen what happens to rule breakers and just deep down it makes you a little angry because you have stories. You know what it's like. You know how frustrating it is when someone who is not as good as you gets more out of life than you get. And I, I just want you to know if, if, that can, if that statement connects to you right now, I, I'm just, I'm not trying to be judgmental. That was me. That was me. I've been there. I've done that. I get it. I, I relate to that side of the spectrum more because I have my older brother. I know this is confusing, but my older brother was the prodigal son in our family. My older brother is the one who made some really poor choices and, and, and so we got to see what happened to a prodigal. And maybe it was lucky for us that, that he blazed that trail and we realized that's not a trail we want to go down. But I understand this, this story all too well because we've lived this out in our family for the last 30 years or so. But some of you today need to wrestle with the fact that you do get mad at God for his extravagance toward others. And if that's you, then I, this next point is really important for you to hear. You're also blind to God's extravagance toward you. This is the part I think that we miss in the story because we don't, we're not from that culture. But there's some stuff in this story that's really, really interesting and rich, and I want you to see it. Look at what it says there in verse 28 and 29. It says that his father, he wouldn't go in, and his father came out and begged him to come into the party. I want you to see what the significance of that is. 
IVP Bible background commentary says that publicly refusing to enter in the midst of a party makes an intra-family dispute public news, dampening the celebration, and worse yet, shaming, pay attention to this, shaming his father just as the younger brother had in a culture where honor and shame were essential values. This is also a grievous insult to the father's dignity and could have warranted discipline or even being disinherited for the older brother for what he did. Instead of punishing him, however, the father comes out, humbles himself, and gives up his honor to seek reconciliation with his son. I bet you didn't realize that, but the hearers 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day understood it. Just like we were gasping a couple weeks ago when the younger brother demanded his inheritance and goes off and just blows it all, the people 2,000 years ago at this point in the story are gasping when they hear what the older brother did when he refused to go in. See, we just read right past it because nowadays it's no big deal. Kids are entitled. That's what they do. Honoring your parents isn't a thing anymore. But 2,000 years ago, it was a big deal. And everyone listening would have understood how offensive this was, what this older brother did. And yet, the father is prodigal. The father isn't just extravagant on the younger son. He's extravagant on the older son. He goes out and begs him to come in. Please come in. I want you to be a part of this. Like, this is a good thing what's happening. Please come in. The father didn't have to do that. It was incredibly rude what the older brother did. But the father goes out of his way to invite his pharisaical son into the party. And so the father is extravagant toward the older brother, not just the younger brother. And that's what rule keepers need to understand. God is just as extravagant toward you as he is toward all those rule breakers. When I realized this, it changed my life. Because I walked around for the first 25 years of my life feeling like I was better than a lot of those other people because I'd earned it. And that is... It's hard to explain how offensive that is to God. And when I realized the sin of that attitude, that self-righteous attitude, I realized in that moment that God's grace for me was equivalent to God's grace for every one of those rule breakers. And if you're a rule keeper, you need to hear that. Number four, you look at relationships transactionally. Looking at a relationship transactionally means I do this for you and then you have to do this for me. That's how rule keepers view it. That's how I viewed it. I'm a good guy. I didn't drink. I don't drink, smoke, chew, or go with girls who do. Then I married one. But just kidding. I'm just kidding. I only say that because she's not here. <laughs> I won't say that in the next service. But... <laughs> that's how I looked at my relationship with God. I mean, honestly, that's how I looked at my relationship with God. I do this, check, keep my checklist, check, 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 and so then you owe me this. So that what I'm doing there is I'm earning my salvation. I think I'm earning, I'm earning what God gives to me. That's looking at that relationship transactionally. 
And we can do that in marriages too. We can do that, father, sons and daughters can do that with their parents. We can look at relationships transactionally. I do tit for tat. I do this, you do that. And this is exactly what he's doing here in these verses. The, the son res, responds. Look at, look at the language he uses. It's really interesting. He says, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. Does that sound like a relationship? No, that's a transaction. That's how, the, that's how the older brother views this relationship. He views it as you told me to do these things and I've done it all. I've kept a list. Some people view God that way. They view God like, like I just, he just has this list of things for me to do and they completely miss the relational component of it. They don't have a relationship with God. They're just trying to earn their keep. And this is what this older brother's doing. He says, and in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. A goat, by the way, was like a, was like a cheeseburger compared to a Big Mac, which was what the fattened calf was. So the fattened calf was a way bigger meal than a goat. So that he's, he's, playing, he's, he's having a little pity party for himself. That's what he's doing here. You wouldn't even kill a little goat for me, just that little scrawny goat? But you kill the, cat and, the fattened calf for my brother who comes back? Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And by the way, you notice he says, this son of yours? He's totally dissociating himself with his younger brother. Like, I don't even know him. I've disinherited him. Why didn't you? He's dead to me. Why is he not dead to you? This is, this is what a rule keeper does who's far from God. Total, totally transactional. I want you to see this insight from the commentary. This is so good, and I bet you so many of you missed this. I don't want you to miss it. Failing to greet one's father with a title, father or sir. So he doesn't say, father, I've done all this for you. He just jumps into it. Again, the hearers in that day would have, would have been like, oh, how dare you? How disrespectful that is. Because when this younger brother came back, he says, Father, I'm so sorry. That's, he, you could see that he had a change of heart and now he's, he's respecting his father. The younger brother didn't do it at the beginning of the story, but he does when he comes back. The older brother never does it. So the older brother never shows respect for his father. But look, here's the thing. It was a grievous in, insult to the father's dignity. But the, the real thing I want you to see is that the son emphasizes his service even though the father wanted a son rather than a servant. Do you remember when the younger brother came back? What did he, what did he say to his dad? He said, I am no longer worthy to be your son. I don't even want to presume to be your son. Just take me as a servant. And what did the dad say? No way! You're my son! I care about you. I want a relationship with you. I don't want a servant. I want a son. And look at how the older brother's acting the whole time like a servant. The father never wanted a servant. But rule keepers want to be servants because they want to earn their relationship with God on their terms. And God the Father says to us, rule keepers, he says, I never wanted it, 
I don't want it for rule breakers and I don't want it for rule keepers. Because guess what? You can't serve your way into the kingdom of God. You, there's no way you could keep the rules good enough to enter the kingdom of God on your own merit. And so God, in his grace, in his mercy, he's compassionate and gracious to us, every one of us, rule keepers and rule breakers. The father, the whole time, just wanted sons. And that's still how God is for us. He just wants sons and daughters. He doesn't want slaves. He doesn't want servants. He doesn't want transactional relationships with us. He wants transformational relationships with us. And we're, we're transformed by his grace, by his love, by his compassion, by his mercy, by his goodness for us, by his extravagance toward us, toward all of us, every one of us. And here's the last thing, and maybe you never noticed this, but the last mark that you're a rule keeper who's far from God is a little bit obvious as you stay on the outside. You actually stay away from God. You stay away from the father. And look at how the story ends. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Do you see, do you see the language the father uses in contrast to the older brother? It's just so relational. Everything I have is yours. I never wanted a servant. Everything I have is yours. It always has been yours. And he says, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. End of story. That's it. That's how the story ends. We don't know what happened with the older brother. It doesn't say, and then the older brother said, oh, you're right. I was wrong, you're right. It doesn't say the older brother came to his senses and went in and partied with everybody else. The impression you kind of get, don't you? The impression you kind of get is that he stays on the outside and the father probably goes back into the, we know the father went back into the party for sure. We just don't know if the son ever did. And that's the question really for all of us, those of you who are rule keepers, as you look at this, as you say, do I want a relationship with God or, or do I want to just keep working in the fields? Isolating myself from community, viewing my relationship with God transactionally, holding it against him when he's extravagant toward other people, yet not realizing his extravagance toward me. I just want to encourage you as you think about these rules and as you think about this list and, you, and how, how your relationship with God is, I just want to, I want to remind you that God's heart toward you is prodigal. His heart toward you is extravagant. It's reckless. He wants a relationship with you. If you can relate to that rule keeper, I just want to encourage you, stop trying to earn your way into God's good grace to receive his goodness, receive his relationship. That's what he offers us pray together. Lord, we thank you for this incredible story. And I pray today, God, that you would help the people who can relate to this older brother, that you would help us, God, those of us who are in here, that you would help us to open our eyes to see who you are. And not just to see who you are toward the younger brother, but to see who you are toward the older brother as well. Thank you, Lord, for, for dying for us. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for rule breakers and rule keepers alike because none of us, none of us, not one of us, can be made right by our own works. 
Every one of us depends on the grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so today we just say thank you for that and we receive that extravagant gift in Jesus' name.